Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. And thank you all for keeping the love coming in. Thank you to everyone who's giving us um, five stars and sharing the episodes and um, recommending us. Appreciate that. And just keep the love coming in and, you know, appreciate all the new listeners. And yeah, keep appreciating you all. Um, today's guest is... Um, Someone who I've known for a long time. She's one of my personal persons, and mm-hmm. our um, this this is a special episode that is based in Nigeria for our Nigerian people and our people who um, support Nigerians and our Nigerians in diaspora. So today's guest is someone who I've known since uh, mid nineties. Yeah. I was and, in primary school. Jeez, you you go make it sound like I'm uh, um, I'm a creepy person. Now. <laughs> and it's not like that, but uh, <laughs> not like that. Yeah, but anyway, she's one of the people that I love. When I say I love, I have love for somebody. She's one of the people I love. Like if I count my top five people in the world, she's one of my top five people in the world. And wow. she's one of the few people that you can go report me to if you think if you if you feel that I, I messed up and you want to find you have you don't know how to come tell me that I messed up then you go you can go tell her and then she can she can come okay yeah, maybe you need to pull my ears you can go tell her I won't tell you sure. I'll, I'll introduce the other the others one by one but uh, you know already <laughs> you already know one other person but yeah this is one of the persons you can talk to so she's uh, an entrepreneur she's a trained lawyer. She's a philanthropist who supports women's and girls' education, and she supports boys too, along with LGBTQ rights in Nigeria and the USA, where she's based. And she also um, is based in Wall Street, not really in New York, but you know she's based in Wall Street, where she works right now. And she's, like I said, one of the most important people in my life, and I have a huge amount of love for this person. So without much further ado, I introduce Unena Tassie. Hello. Did I, did I say it the Nigerian <laughs> way or did I say it the American way? Uh, it's in between. It's Nena. I say Unena now. No, you said Nena. It's Nena. So I you think, like right. put the evil to the okay. pronunciation. Mm. I should have like, used the Abri Basta. Nena. 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 That's the one where your father calls you, you know you've done something. <laughs> Make me sound like my, my daughter. Nena. <laughs> so, yes, thank you. How are you day today? Uh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, how about you? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm well. I'm well. And, uh, you know, we are with our people back home who are on the streets. And uh, who have been on the streets for go, going into the, the second week. And this, that's why this episode is not going to be like the usual episodes where we focus on 
our immigrant journey and you know we'll do that episode another time and talk about our days from Ibadan to uh, uh, United States you know so today I want to want to show solidarity to our people who are on the streets in all the cities well most of the cities in Nigeria and we hope the rest of the other cities will join in and yeah. also tie it into um, our brethren who are also over here because at the end of the day they are still we're all fighting for the same thing which is True. uh because we are all victims of police brutality in one way or the other and yeah. it it doesn't only resonate with just only um black people or black africans it also ties into other countries in other parts of the world like we have um our brazilian um, brethren we have people in thailand also protesting right now and there are so many ways that we all share the same issues going on but due to one reason or the other people just fail to uh, realize that we all share a common enemy you know yeah so let's uh begin the episode um we'll start with where you were born so people can know that you 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 were not just uh, you're not just someone who you know, popped up from the United States just like that. So um, where, where were you born? And um, can you tell us about your first interaction with Nigerian police? Absolutely. So hi again to your listeners. Um, I'm Nena. And from my, tell, my name, you can tell that I'm Nigerian, Igbo. Um, I was born in Lagos. My parents, when seven, I guess they were working for the Nigerian customs at that time. They were posted in Lagos, so that's where I was born. But I grew up in Ibadan because my dad was transferred to Lagos. Although my dad was in Lagos, but he wanted, I guess, Lagos, um, Ibadan had more stability. So he wanted us to grow in a very more stable environment. And so I would say we spent our lives in Ibadan. Like, I can't really speak Igbo. So if anyone speaks Igbo tonight, I won't even understand anything. But I speak Yoruba and I write Yoruba. Um, and we schooled in Baton as well as well as in um, in Vegas. Um, so yeah, that's a little about me. I my first experience with police was one of those days when you know how in December you know everybody travels home, mm-hmm. and it was one of those trips where we were all traveling home, and my dad was happened to be tra- be driving the car, and I remember we got to this checkpoint somewhere in Ijebode and some Nigerian police had, you know, set up the whole road block, um, blockage thing. And they're like, okay, come out. And my dad had just bought a brand new Mercedes Benz in those days. Yeah. So, and then they were like, come out, come out of the car, you know, where give up, you know, come, come out of the car. Who, who are you? And that kind of stuff. And my dad was really upset. Um, my dad, you know, was really upset, like, why are you cussing? Why are you stopping, you know, me? And why are you cussing? Is Why are you harassing me and my family, basically? And they, they were asking my dad where he got the car from, you know. And my dad was like, I'm in Nigeria and I'm working, so I can afford to buy myself a car. And they, he had not even pulled the whole, I'm a custom officer card mm-hmm. at that time. So they yeah. were still, and then they were like, okay, if you want us, to, if you want us to let you go, then you have to set to loss. So my dad was really upset. He was like, do you know that I'm a custom officer myself? And I know that 
you're not supposed to do this. You know, this is an embarrassment to the Nigerian police. Um, I, we were all scared, you know, we thought maybe they were going to shoot our, my, our dad because, you know, they had guns and all that. But the moment my dad then told them that I'm an officer like yourself and I understand that, you know, it's December, you guys can ask, you know, can you also, I understand that you're checking and all that stuff, but you should not be harassing people this way. And so then they changed the whole thing. So, girl, okay, find us something for Christmas, you know, settle us for Christmas. And <laughs> my dad was like, no, that you should ask, you know, basically you should ask nicely. And I think that's, that for me was where I, I was really worried about the whole thing where, again, I was just a child. So I didn't really know how deep this whole thing was that yeah. deeply rooted in the system. And so we moved on and we got to the village. I was, we were all traumatized. And I remember that was the last time that we ever actually traveled home with, wow. with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was just scary. We didn't want to go anywhere because, you know, why would Nigeria, why would they be harassing us? Um, then the next one I'll have with them was when we were actually it was the day I was coming to America, the my trip to America here uh, from uh, around the Ajawa State area. The police had stopped us again. Remember, my parents were both in customs, so this time it was my mom, <laughs> and my mom went alaye with them. My mom was like, "You know who who who's picking when they stop like this? You know who get this picking? Blah blah blah. If she miss her flight, I go make sure I you know scatter on her." <laughs> <laughs> my dad is the most civil one. My mom is like area scatter. I mean, she grew up in a jungle, so <laughs> so. But yeah, that that was you know my encounters with Nigerian police. But after that, it's just been yeah, we've been here in America, so I haven't really dealt with them. So I have to ask when when you um, went to the embassy, did the police try to get something from you? Because no. No, they, they let you be because yeah. when I went to the embassy, like um, I, I got denied my visa uh-huh. about uh, three times. Yeah, three times. And the the, the three times, because police at the embassy, like because um, I was always coming from Patakot. Now, I, uh-huh. the first, the, the three times, yeah, I came from Patakot um, twice. So I think I plan to leave but the days I got denied, I think I was planning that I would just head back to Port Harcourt. So yeah. I I came to the embassy with my uh, traveling bag. So, you know, you're not yeah. supposed to come to the embassy with um, a big bag, you know, because they won't allow you to take it into the embassy. So yeah. the police was like the place I could go leave my bag with. They, they have this, like, their police stand. So you leave your bag there. Yeah. And when I came out of the embassy with the... The, after the denial, you know, they, they could tell on my face that, like, oh, this uh-huh. this guy, this one, this one, this one did not get visa. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. they, they, they did not really disturb me. It's like, hey, pay, like, settle. You know, they didn't yeah. disturb me. But the day I got my visa, when I came out, before I even got to the, the um, because that day, it, it was like everything bad could happen. The day I got my visa, yeah. everything bad. <laughs> Like I, cause you know how the line is long and all that at the mm-hmm. embassy. So I had to leave home like five a.m. I was coming from Sule. Yeah. So it was raining crazy that morning, and I, I wore white pants for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but I wore white pants. So 
Uh, I, I got to the embassy. Yeah, I did not eat. But I, I can't eat that early. You know I me. Mean? I can't even yeah. eat that early in the morning. So I got to the embassy. Um, the, the, the one old woman who was standing behind me needed something. I had to go jump out to help her get the stuff. She was like probably 80. She couldn't. I was like, Mama, don't worry. I'll help you go get what you need. I jumped out of line to go get it. Security said they won't let me get back in and I had to fight with them. Yeah. Go through all that. So I'd give him, I had to go drop uh, the extra bag. I brought, I don't know why, but I think because of the rain, I, mm-hmm. I had to take some extra, I t- took an extra bag with me to protect my documents. Yeah. So now I had to go drop that with the, the police now at their stand. So now yeah. I got, I'd got my visa. You know, the way you start walking now is different now. Every year, all attitude now is different. Yeah. So the when I came out of, of the gates, <laughs> the, the, one of the police officers saw me and said, ah, this one, see him, see him, see him. He go, he, 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 this one don't leave us now. See him, that's the worker. Yeah. He, he, don't, he, don't, he don't change. See us, ah, yeah. this one don't leave us. My friend, yeah. come and say to That's the first thing. This one, you don't leave Nigeria. Your steps alone. And, and <laughs> for listeners, that means the way you are walking, it, it shows that you already have your visa. So you are, yeah. you are leaving this country. Your steps yeah. alone shows that you are leaving the country. So just just start, just come give us, just come settle us. Yeah. He was demanding money. And I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. <laughs> I just don't care. Just whatever, man. I don't even know how much I had on me. I just like treat. But right from the very first day, uh, I started driving uh-huh. on my own. I, the very first checkpoint that I, I will face no police they they, they, they stopped me and it, it, the oppression began yeah. and I, I had to that that's why i used to drive to you guys street and if i <laughs> if i did not see your uncle i would try and grab um emmanuel's <laughs> emmanuel yeah. or i would grab his brother or i would grab a day but i would have, have to find somebody to be in the car with me True. to give me that confidence to start <laughs> outsmarting the police otherwise yeah. if i was just the only person because i was much skinnier then you know True. That was tiny. I still have some of your pictures. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my teenage self, very skinny. Yeah. Yeah. The, the cops would just see me in the car. Ah, this one is f- fresh meat. That's what they yep. would say. And one would just jump into the car, pull over. And, you know, and uh, with time, I would realize that family even were aware that every time I left the house with a car, or even when mm-hmm. I went out on my own, the probability of being arrested was there. Yeah. So one, even one night when we were coming back from, uh, I came back from church with my cousin, and he wasn't staying with us, so I had to see him off. And a few blocks away, they had just robbed um, one of our neighbors. So it was like 10 minutes walk away from our house. Yeah. And SARS came. Well, of course, they did not show up while the robbery was happening. <laughs> but they showed up after the robbery. So the whole yeah. area was quiet. It was just eerily quiet. And I was like, why is this place quiet? You know, it's just weird. It was like yeah. eight, uh, probably 8 or 9 p.m. Before 9 p.m. I knew it was before 9 p.m. Because we were going to Winner's Chapel then. And Winner's Chapel, they, they closed by 7.30. <laughs> So, because they were they were like on remote timing then, it was like seven thirty. <laughs> so, Nigerian time. Yeah. So, oh, we 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 not chapel. They always kept the time. That was one. They they were like Catholics when it came to time. Like yeah. at this time, bam, they closed. Get out. They've got their money. So, what you need? What, what you need to do here? Get out. <laughs> so, 
we, we got to this spot and next thing we noticed two vans of uh, SARS. Uh, SARS is the special anti-robbery unit that people are protesting against now that started to yeah. protest in Nigeria. And they, 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 um, their officers just surrounded myself and my cousin. And we had these giant Bibles that were bigger than our heads. You know, I picture our skinny selves with our giant Bibles. And then they slammed us against somebody's fence. What are you doing here? Why are you yeah. here? Um, well, you could see the Bibles in our hands. That's the only thing we had. We did not have any other yeah. thing. So, of course, we're coming from church. Mm-hmm. Well, um, there was a robbery here. Somebody's house, some houses got robbed. Okay. Well, what do you want us to say? We, <laughs> we don't have anything. Well, we, we are sorry to hear that. You shouldn't be outside. Yeah. Well, how are we supposed to get home if we, you know, um, we just left church? Yeah. Get out of here. Okay. So one person runs the opposite direction. I run the opposite direction. That's how we take off, run home. Yeah. We were lucky. They, they did not throw us into the van. And uh, there were nights, you know, but, you know, being a teenager, you know, we were being rebellious then. Yeah. We want to still go out at night. And, that, but, Family never said, if you go out at night, they are going to arrest you. But that was mm-hmm. the thing they were afraid of. Because if I came home late, I would hear, I would, I would, sometimes I would catch my elder sister counting money. looking. She would always <laughs> go look for him, him, some, some of the older males in the area to give them money. Like, oh, start going yeah. to police stations to go find out if Raphael has been arrested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I caught her doing that once or twice. But it was because they knew that it was normal or it was common for mm-hmm. uh, um, these guys to just arrest or grab anybody, so especially yeah. it, when they saw a male walking around. And we always heard stories of these guys taking um, commercial buses mm-hmm. and they just go on the, on, the, on the street, especially around this time of the year to yeah. December. And they just like, oh, what's, uh, you, so you're looking for a bus. And then, yeah. oh, let me flag this bus down. And then they just grab you by the waist. And once they grab yeah. you by the waist, it's over. Yeah. The more you fight, they say your 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 bailout money keeps increasing. True. So <laughs> when I moved to Patakot, when I was a little more, uh, now I'm, I'm no longer a teenager, I'm a young adult. Then it got worse over there because you could be drinking in a bar. Somebody just comes, hey, they're here, they're here, they're here. Take off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the owner of the bar cannot even say, hey, you haven't paid your, for your beer. Uh, you're not waiting. <laughs> you just... Jumping over the nearest fence, you're just running for your life because yeah. um, these guys, they're here, they're just grabbing anybody they see, all in the name of, oh, we hear they're, they're gangs here. Yeah. What do you mean they're yeah. gangs here? Yeah. Well, yeah. We are drinking and having a good time, but you say, oh, we came for some gangs. Yeah. And you know, so th- that, that's how the interaction with, with police began. And you didn't want to wait to find out if it was regular police or SARS mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the military police. And um, around 2004, 2003, 2004, I was selling recharge cards outside um, an office my, my aunt owned. So I had the umbrella and um, I did this cell phone thing. Yeah. And there was a, a mini oil company across the street. And, uh, well, there was a small oil company and they had, you know, all these oil companies always have um, police officers guiding them. So they had their own police unit. And those guys started befriending me because they were always buying recharge cards from me. 
Yeah. And then they'll come sit down around me, they'll be telling me stories. And then what was one of the stories that these guys would tell me one day? They were like, oh, um, you know, we don't have our wives here. So, you know, we, uh, if you drove like 10 minutes from that place where I was selling the recharge yeah. cards, because it was GRA phase two in Patakot, mm-hmm. there was a red light district. So now they're like, oh, you know, when we need women, we just drive them, turn on our sirens. These girls, they, they can't, you know, they, how far can they run? We chase them. Yeah. Uh, well, what, 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 what am I supposed to do? I'm only selling recharge cards. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what you're telling me this story for. And then one of the most senior one, I still remember him, the most senior one, he, he, the guy kept going on and on about how they would go there and be harassing the girls. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, they especially the, they're, they're some. They like to, they, they, they look like men. Why, why, yeah. you're, you're, you're there, you're looking like a man. Those are the ones I keep targeting. I'll yeah. show you how to behave like a woman. Yeah. I'm like, what? That guy was literally talking about raping women. Yeah. And he was talking about corrective rape. And I was like, yeah. what? But it would take me years to understand what he was saying. Yeah. Because then I didn't under, understand the language. And these guys, well, literally, because there was those were Mopol, military police, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, mobile mobile unit, but they all they all the same thing with SARS, because those are the guys they drafted into SARS, but they yeah. were protecting some expatriates who were working there, and it was just some dark stuff that these guys were doing. Nobody could hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Who, if if I were to say, okay, I'm going to report them, who was I going to report them to? I was just a guy who sold uh, recharge cards. Hmm. My aunt who I was staying with was part of River State Government. Husband was for uh, River State Government. If I had gone to him and said, oh, this is what they, these guys were doing, um, yeah, nothing would have happened. Because nope. it's just, and all these things build over time. And they got away with so much stuff. So much damage that they were just doing with nothing happening. And at the same time, they had that PSA on TV. Yeah. Where they would be saying, police is your friend. <laughs> the police is your friend. But, you know, it, it's just it's just sad that people, you know, it, it would take a lot of years of them doing all this. But, you know, it, 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 it's... It, it, it's really frustrating, and at the same time, it's good that we are at this stage where we can start calling them out. Yeah. Because some people have been calling them out, to be honest. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. Do you remember the Apple 5 incident? No, Apple, Apple 6. It was I, I heard about it. But 2000 I and remember. I think it was... Uh, to me, I thought it was in the 90s that that happened. Mm-hmm. It was... Um, Six people in Abuja were coming back from a night out. Um, one of them had just gotten engaged. Mm-hmm. So he had his fiancée with him and the, um, the four, four of his friends. And they got to a checkpoint at Apo. And the police, for some reason, maybe they didn't have money on them or whatever, killed yeah. all six of them. And tried to cover it up by saying they were armed robbers. Yeah. Now it was the photographer, the police photographer, who, when he came to take photos, 
realized that the police were now putting weapons in their hands, trying to make it look like, oh, these people were armed robbers. Yeah. I think it was 2003. Somebody told me on Twitter that it was 2003. I thought it was 90s, to be honest. And the photographer now leaked the info. That was the first time like there was like a serious whistleblower thing on, on national TV. So he now leaked it to that um, program on Sunday TV. Uh, that used to be on 9 p.m. Sunday. I think it was yeah. um, Frank. Yeah, on NTA every 9 p.m. Yeah. And that that guy now said, like, what happened to those police officers? I don't know. Exactly. So <laughs> I don't know. And it's very sad, you know, that all this is happening and, you know, it's 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 more than what, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that, you know, right now people are really voicing out and everyone is coming together to address this issue. Everyone is taking a stand and trying to, you know, change, reform the, pol- the, the Nigerian police and try to seek justice too for people that have been killed by the SARS people. So... Yeah. yeah, but we have somebody to talk about at the same time because this is not just a random episode that we are doing. Oh, this yeah, also touches close to home. Yeah. So it's very personal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I'm even now that I've gotten to it. I'm even struggling to. <laughs> it is. Find it is. words and... to to begin. Um, yeah, uh, SARS, this police unit that was founded in 1984 under the current president of Nigeria, who everyone who knows me knows how I feel about him. People called him a Democrat. I'm like, yeah, right. Democratic uh, <laughs> human being. Mm. But anyway, SARS took somebody from you, who I happen yeah. to know. Yeah. And let's talk about him. Yeah. So who is Tasie Kalu, a.k.a. TK? A.k.a. TK. TK. He was my younger brother. Um, he was at that time uh, my mom's only son. You know, um, I don't. I don't. You know, honestly, I sort of. You know, you had sent me. We had talked about this, so it's it's really hard for me to to talk. But I'll do my best. Um, it, I'm I'm trying not to talk about him. You know, past, but at the same time, I. I'm beginning to accept it finally. So, but he was my younger brother. Um, he was a very, very good boy. And I, I, I mean, I mean it, he was a very good boy. He was a very caring boy. He was very funny. He loved his friends. He loved to play soccer or football, just like every Nigerian youth. Um, he loved music. He loved Enya. He was actually the one that introduced me to Enya because that was like our kind of music. And <laughs> he just, he just, he was a very, very good boy. He was, um, yeah, he, he was a good boy. And 
it was one of those things where my mom, my mom until 2017 or 2018 was with customs. So she had, she was in um, Potakot at this time when this happened. Um, it was one of those things where my sister, my elder sister had, you know, sent TK a car. Well, he sent, she sent it to my mom, but it was TK that was driving the car because, you know, yeah. my mom is the typical Nigerian. Oh, I need to do anything <laughs> oh, that my picking can do. So TK was her boy, you know, her, yeah. her, her driver, her everything. And it was one of those things where TK, she had asked TK to, you know, run errands and TK had picked kind of like you, how you have mm-hmm. your friend. The ticket was driving with his friend Chijoke. Um, they had gone to Bayelsa or something somewhere around that area because Chijoke had almost planning to come to America. Chijoke wanted to come to America. Tike, we had already finished Tike's own process of you know we're in the final stage, right? Yeah. And so Chijoke too was trying to see if he could find a school, you know, apply for student visa and also come and study. And um so it was those things, and then these people, I guess, saw TK and arrested TK. In my own case, kidnapped him. And this was on fourth of July. That was when I first got the message. Um. So when I got the message that TK had been kidnapped, I just thought it was a joke. <laughs> I was like, really? Why would anyone kidnap TK? And my mom was like, no, um, the, the person who had you know, a family friend was like, yeah, that the people are asking for 500,000 Naira to release TK. So all this why we just thought, okay, they kidnapped TK. And so my mom said, okay, like, let me talk to my son. Let me at least make sure that he's actually okay. Then I can, we can talk about giving you guys the money. And they were making all sorts of demands, you know, oh, come and meet us in this place, come and meet us in that place. Ah, for what? Let me talk to my son. Then I can we can do anything. So I, I don't even know. But they they the next thing that will happen is um on one of this 24th of October, they had sent my mom a text message. You know, madam, you just let us waste that boy like that. Why you not bring money? Come before save the boy. I was like, why would anyone do that to anybody? I, you know, the American thinking part of me was like, ah, kilo day. What is this? <laughs> what happened? Like, you know, if this boy had done anything, why didn't you at least, you know, involve the the um, police or anything like that. At least um, Nigeria has constitution that allows for people to go through trials and all that. So why didn't yeah. he get that? Why you? Why did you just? You know? Why did they do that? <sighs> um. So yeah, they they took my brother. In fact, and I I was. I was, I couldn't do anything. I didn't cry. I didn't do anything. I, you know, I, I didn't cry for this whole situation until I think it was last week, Wednesday, when this whole hashtag NSAS thing started. And I started reading people's stories and seeing how it was, 
so similar to my brother. They had arrested him because he had a laptop on him, laptop that we got for him because he wanted to study computer science. They said he had dreadlocks. Yes. Tiki was 20 something years old at that time. That was what was raining for boys Mm. around that age. I mean, when I was, yeah, when I was was 20, 22, I wanted to do dreadlocks too, but the the, the amount the guy charged me was what scared me. That's what. Yeah. And he said I wasn't going to wash my head for a while. And I said, no, nah, I, I can't do that. Tiki was doing dreadlocks. I still have the picture of him. With, you know, he had sent me a picture with the laptop that when he first used it and all that, the excitement that my brother had, he was so happy that, you know, he didn't have to go to the cyber cafe. And that was actually my own concern. Yeah. I didn't want him going to the cyber cafe to go and deal with you know, the Yahoo boys. Are we saying that there are no Yahoo boys? Yes, there are things like that. But I didn't want my brother to be influenced by anybody. I wanted him to be at home. We subscribed to internet. We were loading on the pay-as-you-go internet Mm -hmm. access for him and all that. And all Tike was doing was, oh, my mom wants to send email. Oh, yeah, Tike, come. Come and send me. Come and send this email to Nena. That was how we were able to communicate with them back in Nigeria, at least then. So um, he had an iPhone. Again, you know, at one point I worked in retail, you know, um, with telecommunication yeah. retail, where we, you buy phone, your phone has retired, you send it to Niger. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I've done that too. Phone. I have receipt of all those things. <laughs> so it, it's just, it's unfair, you know. Um, it's very unfair that they did that to to him and his friend and every other Nigerian boys and girls. It's it's just unfair. And then to um, reach reached out to the you know police to file police reports, you have to pay. That's true. To file police reports. That is true. You have to bribe, you have to do this. You know, they are harassing people. you so you want to come and report SAS. Who are you? <laughs> Who are you to come and report? I beg, madam, it's out of our jurisdiction. I beg, that was what they were telling my mom. Basically, she should go away. That there was nothing they could do. We don't have his body. We don't have any anything. You know, um, we are, the, the only thing we have is the fact that this Thomas guy from SAS had called my mom to you know inform her that they had wasted TK. So. I think for me, I didn't accept it. Mm. And I kept having faith that, you know, one day my brother will call me. I didn't change my phone number for a very long time. I didn't change my address. I didn't change my email address. Like everything was just the same. And my mom still has that old phone number, still holding on to hope that, you know, one day he will just call and be like, oh, mommy, I just misbehaved or, you know, something. But we still don't want to believe it, but even though we know that these people, the SAS people, what they did was they've, they 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 really hurt my hurt my family. We, we were not. I mean, my dad was a law-abiding citizen of Nigeria. Yeah. And my dad was the one person that, if there is anything, he would tell us we should not fight with the police. We should always respect authority. You know, we should respect them because they are there for a reason, and which we all did. We all know that they are there for a reason. No one is challenging them. And we never did. Um, 
you know, typical Nigerian parents who tell you when police stops you, respect them, or don't fight, or don't do this, or don't do that, or because, you know, they want you to come back home. Every time, you know, I remember my last text message to Tiki was, I think it was that day that this thing happened. And he just told me, oh, you know, we're going out to um, get some things for mom C. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm so scared. I'm really scared that, you know, you're, tra you're driving around, but just be safe and call me, you know, if anything happens. Mm. That was my last. So ah, oh, this, is, this is sad. This is sad. I, I, I still don't want to believe it. But it, it is what it is, I guess. So, yep. But he was he was someone's someone's child. He was my mm. brother. He was a Nigerian citizen, a Nigerian that had rights, and his rights were violated. And we we don't have his body. My mom doesn't have closure like that. Um, they just they did that to him and to every other Nigerian boy out there. So. You know, a part of me is a part of me is still holding on that uh, TK is alive. Yeah. Part of me holding on because my uncle was um, when I was born, when I was still a kid, my uncle disappeared, mm -hmm. and we. The story goes like. You know, people did not understand that they said he was crazy. And now now it makes sense because he talked about, you know, he will appear in the 90s. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, out of, out of the blue, somebody said, oh, they f saw him in a fishing village um, close to Ajegule. Mm -hmm. And, you know, back then we used to just file it on that he's crazy. Mm -hmm. But... Now it starts to come back to me when he was talking about uh, because he would disappear again after staying with us, and then he would talk about uh, um, um, being picked up in Lagos, yeah, and then ending up at Kirikiri, yeah, and then he would talk about escaping. Mm. Now, how long did he spend there? I don't know. His mental state was damaged by all yeah. this time, he, you know, the disappearances, because he never was the same every time he returned. But, you know, nobody ever took him seriously when he talked about the police grabbing him. It was just a random read, because he, he's like the tallest person in my family. Like, my grandfather yeah. was said to be the tallest person in the whole southern Ijeo region. And yeah. out of his children... The, this uncle of mine was the one who took like after my grandfather's height, so he's like literally the tallest person in my family. He's literally like six, about six four, six five, six seven, if about. Mm -hmm. So he's tall, skinny, lanky, and he has a distrust for vehicles, has a distrust for transportation. So he will, he will trek <laughs> everywhere. So he literally trek yeah. from Ghana to Nigeria. Yeah, kind of <laughs> yeah he's done. He's, he said he has done it, and I believe him now. Yeah, and. But everything he, he he used to say then, I, ah, nobody believed him. Like, ah, why would you, why would they arrest you? But when I start looking back, I'm like, they don't need any reason to arrest you. Yeah. They don't. 
They just see something on you and they'll grab you. Or they just see you walking on the street and they'll grab you. And then yeah. when you hear him speak, you, his English is not Nigerian. It's mm -hmm. Ghanaian. So you're like, oh, this is even better. Do you have an ID? No. Okay. Yeah. Grab you. And this was when we didn't have cell phones. So there was no numbers. Who, who, there's nothing. That's it. It's gone. So this guy was, he was the perfect candidate to just carry on through in his jail somewhere until yeah. he escaped. And, or they just one day released him. I don't know. But he popped up after some years. And his mental state had gone, had deteriorated again. So people like that, once in a while, they just give me some hope. Yeah. But it's, it, it, it's tough because, you know, like the, the other article I saw from Premium Times about um, 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 Oluwashei, mm -hmm. um, I have his name here, um, about the young man, Oluwashei, whose case was almost similar to TK. Yeah. He was also taken in July, uh, July 5th, 2013. And mm -hmm. same thing. He, and he actually sold laptops. He sold laptops. Had withdrawn from school to go start selling cell phones and um, laptops and was taken for the same thing. And his family actually knew the station where he was at, but they charged his family. Yeah. Um, money they couldn't come up with the money and then the officer in charge transferred and the story started changing and then i think the person in charge of sars to, to before they supposedly got disbanded and changed into swat whatever name they changed them into nonsense <laughs> uh, claimed oh, he's the guy the person who was last in charge of them he was the person at that station then yeah and when the after the family had been fighting for a while and this journalist got involved with the case and made it up to him. It's like, oh, we don't have uh, the, the files. We don't keep their files properly. You know, water may have damaged the files. I don't know the person anymore. Yeah. I'm like, what? these are human beings. You are talking about these are human beings. How come when it comes to some riffraff armed robber, you can just you present them on TV, say, oh, we caught some, some gang. Yeah. Here we go. You, you 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 give them a trial by media. Yeah. Then you you guys at the same time will claim to have caught some criminal, and then you ransoming the families. You don't charge them with anything. Then you you claim to have tried them in secret and then prosecuted <sighs> them, then taking their lives, and you don't expect people to. Declare war on you. Mm. I mean, you wouldn't do that to Boko Haram. You wouldn't do that mm. to the 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 the, the uh, what they call the other ones in the, in the north, um, the the Fulani headsmen. You don't do that to them. And this is the thing dividing the place called Nigeria. And then you 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 come to the southern areas and start doing this nonsense. And then people are asking why? Why would you do that to some other people and treat human beings like this? And people shouldn't get mad. Rape women, mm. rape men. There are even men being raped too. And then mm. you say homosexuality is a crime. Okay, so why are you raping men if it's a crime? It's okay to rape men, but it's, it's, it's like, you know, like when my friend bought, uh, I still remember uh, 2001, 
was it? Yeah, 2001. My boy Doye bought um, Nokia 6600. That was the first camera phone in our, mm-hmm. our part of Patakot. Whoa, everybody, everyone come see camera phone. Oh, this is the camera phone they're talking about. Saved for mm-hmm. how many how many months to buy a camera phone? Yeah. Finally showed everybody. Oh, you had to be carrying a receipt with him. So that when you, you get stopped by a checkpoint, the police, what is that? Where did he sit? What do you mean, where did he sit? The man suffered for how I many, saved all his money to go and buy something to pleasure himself. Okay, yeah. where did he sit? You have to carry a receipt too, that, that I bought cell phone, look at my receipt. Yeah. And then now people have iPhone, they say, and then there are people who are, they, they will take you to an ATM, go and withdraw money from your account, put it in my account. Yeah. Like, what is yeah. that? Is that? Yeah. Well, then you, you are complaining about people kidnapping. You're doing the same thing the kidnappers are doing. And you, yeah. But you don't want to be called kidnappers. So, yeah. oh man, this, 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 oh my goodness. The, 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 uh, the criminal who called you guys to demand money, um, what's his name, Thomas? Mm-hmm, Thomas. Did he, he, he didn't give you guys the last name? You guys don't have his last name? No, that's, you know, we've been pushing for that. Like, and then the only thing I know now is that he got posted to Sokoto. This was in 2019. So we don't even know. But I, I, I still have the text message he had sent to my mom. Uh, let me see if I can find it. He has said something about, um, sorry, madam, I, could not, I couldn't pick up your call because I was upset and don't know what to tell you people. You people took my sincerity for granted. So why now? Madam, put yourself together. I did all I can within my reach, and God can testify for him. I'm sorry, but it isn't my fault. After they had killed my brother, so my mom. They said God can testify for him. God will testify for him. <laughs> that's that's it's sad. The special anti-robbery squad. Yes. Of the people who call themselves the police can be your friend, but you know, this is you know this is. Because I remember, I remember TK, you know, he was, yeah. you know, back in Ibadan, you know, yeah. you know. Yeah, I was, you know, being an older age group didn't mean, you know, I, I wasn't <laughs> cool with the younger kids, you know. Yeah. But he always had that cool smile and he always, you know, said hi to the older bro and, you know. Yeah. You know, he took a good joke and, you know, I yeah. joked to everybody. <laughs> I remember it, 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 crying on trees. Yeah. And all the fun stuff that boys would do. Like, yeah, it's wrong. And, and, and the stuff for which they held him for, it's not, it's the same stuff I was doing at that age. It, yeah. So, it's, no, this is, it, no, this is, it's, it's not, it's not something that we, we, we are not giving up on this, though. We are not, we won't give up on this. And um, we will not give up on this. We are not giving up. They will yep. pro- they will provide that body. If yep. they truly took his life, they will provide that body. And yeah. That is, and then they will also answer for what they did because this the, the, the part of the reform is they are also answering for what they did. They have to yeah. go to that prison. I I personally I stand for prison reform. I I don't yeah. even think prisons should exist. But people mm. like this are why I say prisons should exist. Um, 
old old me would have said that sentence, but I don't believe in that sentence anymore. So I cannot yeah. subscribe personally. I, can, I publicly I cannot say I'm calling for that, and yeah. even in private I cannot say I'm calling for that. So um, as painful as this is, uh, what what in your own words, you know, like okay, before I go to that question, let me let me let me pause there. If you could send a message to Tiki right now, what would you like to say? I know it's a tough thing to ask, but you know, would you like to say something to Tiki? Yeah. Um I I'll just you know, I'm sorry that your his government, our government, Nigerian government failed him. I'm sorry that they did not recognize his rights. Um I'm sorry that at the time, you know, when they had reached out to us, we thought they were joking. We actually thought, you know, like, who is this? And that we're going to, you know, we're going to definitely continue fighting for him and all the other boys. Yeah, I think that's all I can say. All right. Yep. So moving forward, in what way do you think we can reform or resolve this problem of the Nigerian police? Mm. But what would you like to see? With the Nigerian police, with the, especially now that we are, we, we we have this movement going on in Nigeria. Yeah, I I I you know my hope is that they are very selective when they are hiring pol police officers and not just hiring anybody, and they have to make sure that any police, every police officer goes through some sort of mental evaluation. Mm. Um, they have to teach them basic constitutional rights that they have to respect and they have to i mean those are the things that they should do they should pay them well so that they're not you know collecting bribes and everything and harassing people that they should be protecting yeah that's <sighs> yeah they should those are the things that they should do. They should not just har harass people and arrest people for no reason. Everyone deserves, you know, that right to a fair trial, if anything. So if they suspect that someone has committed a crime, that person has that right to appear before any panel, any judge or whatever to go to. I mean, it's, it's just wrong. Yeah. Definitely they should evaluate those people before hiring them. Because some of them are mental, like they're not okay in the head. And it's not in a bad way, it's just they don't understand the responsibilities. They don't understand what they are there for. So mm -hmm. they need to really teach them. They should have, a, I mean, they should look at other countries and see how some countries are doing so well. There is that trust between the, the police and the people. So they need to, they need to do that. 
Well, what I'll add to that is for the trust to exist between the police and the people, there will have to be a realignment of the relationship that created the police. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like you, you were the one that put me on to the documentary, the uh, um, journey of an African colony. Yeah. And it showed the true history of how Nigeria came to be. And it also showed, you know, it it was something that in a way it wasn't, uh, (laughs) I did not plan for that, but it actually showed the history of Nigerian police. Yeah. You know, and Nigerian military, which, People aren't really talking about right now, but you can't have you can't talk about Nigerian police without talking about Nigerian mili- military too, mm-hmm. because they are cousins. They are customs too. Yeah, so <laughs> all the paramilitary, they all they all, they all are related, you know, because they, they all look at civilians as beneath yes. them. Yes. So it all boils down to who created you, and when mm-hmm. you look at the person who created you. What was their, that person, what is their definition of police there? When yeah. you look at their history, you go back to the British Empire. Mm. The British Empire created police. In their creation of police there, the police wasn't created to serve the public. The police was created to protect their lords, to protect land for the rich, for mm. the wealthy for the lords, the dukes, whatever, whoever you want to go with. Now, it started changing with, over time. It starts to change and change. And then you look at the colonial, uh, the colonial colonialism and yeah. how the police was interpreted in those places. Now, whoever is listening, you can go look it up. If you do not believe, in 1929, um, if I'm not mistaken, October or April, April, October, you see British colonial officers running into a traffic of Nigerian women protesting in eastern Nigeria. Is that not similar to what's happening in the United States? People are protesting peacefully and police officers drive right into them. But if you see the people as human beings, you wouldn't do that to them. You will allow them to protest peacefully. But uh, 19... Um, 1945, the British head of the Nigerian police in the east lines up protesters at the mining company and others, the Nigerians under him, who are the police officers, at his beck and call to open fire on protesting Nigerians. All these things are just examples of mis- of, of, of behaviors that... You know, the, the, only the British guy gets fired, but what happened to the Nigerians who are under these guys? Oh. They now take charge of what is today known as the Nigerian police force. You have yeah. already started tasting blood. You've already, you know, you've become used to the misbehavior. You've become used to the bad, bad, bad behavior. Yeah. And we just think that these guys fell out of the sky and became bad. No, somebody set that example for you. Somebody... Yeah showed you this is how you lead in a bad way. This is how it's done. And once that template is given to them, look at the guys in the military who became military rulers. They all served on that. Nigeria is only 60 years old. Nigeria just turned 60. Boris is older than Nigeria. 
Yeah. All the Ni- presidents Nigeria has had, they are older than Nigeria. They all served under British people. So those guys, if, if, if there weren't seven other people who were decent men in the military, um, I, I don't know, the, 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 the person who took, um, when, uh, what's his name in Congo? Uh, um, is it Lumumba? Lumumba? The, the first guy was uh, first prime minister of Congo who was assassinated. Oh, wow. When there was trouble in Congo, the head of the Nigerian military delegation was a white British man who went there and people only talk about the CIA. Nobody talks about what were the other people doing there when the trouble was was going on. You know, and all these things lead to the behavior that we start seeing and how we start treating each other. Because when you see the Nigerian civil war, what the Nigerian army did to the people in the East. Nobody talks about that behavior. Murtala Mohammed is on Nigerian currencies. He's named after the largest airport in Nigeria. Go look at what he did. He committed genocide. Nobody talks about it. So when police see that, oh, the army guy got away with doing a whole bunch of brutality, why can't I do it too? Who's holding them accountable? Nobody. Then the police will do their own and then that's why this protest is getting bigger than just reforming the police and it's now evolving and the army is now getting scared because the military is like, like, oh, wait, if you are talking about bad governance, you can't say bad governance without addressing the Nigerian military because they're a granddaddy of it. <laughs> and soon Britain will have to answer because Britain knows what it did in Nigeria. They can't avoid it. They can't because... They laid the whole foundation of the whole misbehavior, like, yeah, go do whatever you want to do. They know. So all these things are intertwined. I mean, look at even the British uh, policing today. Yes, you have the right to protest in the UK. They allow you to do all that. But the racism is still there. It's still there. And I saw Nigerian, uh, my cousin posted a video. um, He was doing Instagram Live today, which was ironic so they are protesting in, in um, DMV area, so close to DC, uh, for end SARS. And then most of the Nigerian diaspora in the crowd are saying, "Look at American police allowing us to protest. Nigerian police won't—they they are fighting us. Can't you be like American police?" I said, "You guys don't understand. So what? What do you think Black Lives Matter is about? <laughs> you don't get the message. <laughs> You're like, you—it's—it's nothing. It's—it's." It's, you, it, you, you have the right to protest. It's, that's not an issue. Just because the police, they are there to make sure everything is okay. It's their job. Mm. But that doesn't mean you, you are doing something extraordinary by protesting. You are guaranteed mm-hmm. the right to protest. So don't, don't think that because American police stood by and watched you protest, that is an achievement. No, you have the right to protest. So don't... They're like, look at American police, look at American police. And I'm like, golly, this, this Well, but then if you look at it, you know, and that's a very, it's very good that you brought that out, mm-hmm. you pointed that out, because at least the American police recognize that, you know what, it is their right. Yes. It is, you know, their constitutional right, and they are respecting that. Versus the Nigerian police and the SAS and, you know, Nigerian, all of them, that they also know that we have the same right because again, the Nigerian constitution is not really different from what we have here in America. Yes. Right? It Until is Until somebody raises Black Lives Matter amongst that crowd and then 
And what if the police runs into them, runs start running them? It it's, it can happen. That's it, I, I understand. The only thing is, it's cool for the American police to step back right now and say you are protesting a foreign thing happening. So we allow you. That's the message that's being sent. It's like you're not you're not disturbing us. You're not a threat to us. That's what. So why should we be worried about you? That's what they're not getting. It's that same divide because slowly but surely it's now creating that divide of like, why do we need Black Lives Matter? That's what it's going to end up being again. Like, we don't need Black Lives Matter because that's what, so you can start hearing it in the crowd. Like, we are in America, we can protest. The American police is behaving. They're behaving. Nigeria police is not behaving. You know what I'm saying? That's not the point. The point is police brutality exists in so many places. And the fact that some places allow you to protest does not mean if you change the language to we support, if I met Black Lives Matter shows up there, you start seeing the behavior of the police starts to change immediately. Like, oh, Black Lives Matter come to support these Nigerians now. Let's change. Mm-hmm. Tactics will change. And it will. But because yeah. they only see Nigerians protesting there, they're like, okay, this crowd is, it's, it's okay. We, we, we are like, we like them. It's like if Chinese immigrants start protesting against the Uyghur treatment. What, what, who is that threatening? It's not threatening anybody. It's not threatening anybody in America. They would like that. But if they start protesting against, if they say, oh, we are supporting Black Lives Matter, it changes, the, the whole language changes. And that's the point. And it's like, people need to remember that you're, it, it, it doesn't mean, look, remember that police organizations talk. All police organizations talk. Nigerian police attend conferences in America, true of us. I don't know. They do. I'm not. Monk was, I... a, Monk was an assistant um, commissioner in Abuja, mm-hmm. even though he, because he came from a lower, he came from Ijo, which is not a big tribe, so they always <laughs> shout on him. <laughs> but, you know, as a teenager, I once asked him, like, why are there bad policemen? In the, in the 90s, I asked him that question, which was like a bold thing to do. And he was, mm-hmm. gave me that, oh, they're good apples, bad apples, that BS answer. But <laughs> they do. You travel, if you have Interpol. The, you, the African police, they talk. You come out here, they respect Scotland Yard. You have Scotland Yard, you have all this. Uh, what? They talk. And you come out, f- when there's conferences, you see uh, um, big police heads from different countries will come to Nigeria. I, you know me, I used, to, I used to eat news all the time. I used to eat news when I was in Nigeria. I was like, one of my favorite things. And you see f- police officers from the United States will come, and they're all white guys. They will come to Nigeria. Oh yeah, yeah, this is this is yeah, and then okay, then what impact do you think those guys are giving? Do you think those guys will come in and tell you like, oh, this is how you 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 implement a non uh, you implement that behavior that we are not implementing in our part of in America? We're not implementing this behavior of non discrimination They they will give you that the same playbook they're using. They'll tell you you're doing a good job. People don't realize that. So when they are saying police reform. You, you, everybody needs police reform one way or the other. Because if you're not talking to, if you're not getting that reform everywhere, and it's only one, like, who, which police organization are you talking to? But if the Nigerian police guys, like, okay, we're only talking to these guys who are doing it right this way, and they're abusing their people there, like, why are we, what, what, what is the problem? Why are Nigerians complaining? And people say that, well, yeah, what, what are Nigerians complaining about? Why are you even having an issue? We see them dealing with crime. 
when somebody from Guinea who's schooling in Japan attacked me on Facebook uh, two years ago for saying that there was no kidnapping, there was no issues, I'm the one making it up. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know what he's saying now when he sees this protest because people are experiencing this stuff. But Nigerian police officers will go abroad and attend these conferences too and interact with other police officers and have... Are they interacting with police officers in Germany who like have a different mentality to the ones in America who are like more gung-ho, shoot first, ask questions later? You know, it's... And then what did we... we they used to show this... Um, what's it called? That show again. Um, cops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cops was big in Nigeria. All those type of shows. And the, what, what, what... Yeah, so all these things, we need to remember that all these things have an impact also in the Nigerian scene. We don't take it, we don't, we, we don't recognize the impact that it has, but they all do have an impact, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, all I just want is, you know, hopefully the word will get out there and they will find my brother and find all the other boys that have been kidnapped by oh, yeah. these SARS people. And yeah. if truly, you know, they want to do some reforms you know um they need to start teaching them that these people have rights and they should put their people you know their, their job is to protect the people and put their egos aside and that's that's all i i i, I personally i have you know i've been you know you know we've been here for a long time and i've never really had any issue with um, any police officer here harassing me in any way. I've been pulled over for tickets. Um, yeah. And I understand that. I'm, again, I wasn't raised to, you know, start challenging people. I do know my rights. I do understand that. But there is time for everything. And if you have any issue, not you, but if I if have been mistreated by anybody, I have, I know that I, there are steps that I can take to get those things corrected. That's something that you know Nigerian police need to start learning and understanding. Those are the things that, as citizens of Nigeria, we we don't want. I mean, personally, I'm so I have a son, and I don't even want to go to Nigeria because <laughs> my fear is okay. What if I go to Nigeria and then these people kidnap me? Or what's gonna happen to me? What's gonna happen to my child? So understood. I I, I want to go to a Nigeria where I don't have to go and live in you know Abuja or the most expensive area just because I don't want them to be harassing me. I want to live in Ajegunle if I want to. That's right. And no one should pull me over and, you know, no Nigerian police should be harassing me, you know. Again, I understand. I, I understand what the reason they were created. I understand the purpose of SAS. But their, SAS obviously is not doing their job. I understand. I recognize it that, you know, they were there because... Yes, there were some robberies going on in Nigeria where people are robbing people. I mean, shooting and looting and stuff like that. Yes, they do that. But harassing ordinary citizens just going about their daily stuff, it is unfair. And that's what we are asking for. We are not asking for anything else, but please just let Nigerian youth be Nigerian youth. Let our sons go out and come back safely. Stop raping our girls. And let our children have access to good education. So we don't have to send our children to overseas to get quality education. It oh. does, it, it's not an excuse. Mm -hmm. It's unacceptable for them to 
you know, to do this. And like you say, they all come here. Yes, I understand every country, we all, have, we all have our things going on. But we are Nigerians. And if Nigerians are coming over here to this country and to Britain and every other country, they are seeing the interaction. They are seeing things that are happening. How those governments are doing everything they can to take care of and pro provide for their citizens. But Nigeria is not doing that, you know? They're not doing anything like that. They, they, they come, they eat, they buy, spend money on, on expensive things, and then they go back home. And ASU is on strike. They are frustrating students. People don't have access to health care. Nope. Nigeria, I mean, you, it's, oh, it, it's, it's a shame, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it's a shame that... We have, we've been, and then some people are making the excuse, or, you know, we've been there for 60 years. I get it. But Ghana, they have, they have access to electricity. Yeah. We call ourselves the giant of Africa. We have nothing to show for it other than mouth. And then you have people that will start. I, I, I'm not, I don't even, I, I, it's, it's just painful. It's sad that they are doing this to people that, you know, and, they are talking about oh, they've answered to the people. Now we need to end. You know, Nigerian youths need to end the protest. No, and the youths are saying no. You haven't. You're not listening to us. Mm -hmm. So they are not. They are not listening at all. They, you know, it's that kind of thing where you, the parent, you, you as a child, you will do something, and your parents will beat you, and then your parents say, okay, we've given you what we want. Shut up. But you don't understand how it's affecting that child. True. Right. Yeah. I, I have a son and my son will sometimes, he will tell me, mom, you're not listening to me. Yes, we are hearing you. You're, you're talking, cha, 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 you know, it's coming in and it's going out in one ear because these people are not listening. And then we have a vice president who, a Nigerian vice president who is a constitutional um, lawyer, a lawyer yeah. at one point. And yeah. this is his opportunity to address the issues I think it's more of a pastor. Well, that's all that. <laughs> Jesus Christ did not even want that kind of thing. I mean, Jesus will no, never it, have it, done that's that. That's the thing. They're not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it, if he's practicing his, it, 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 it's the wealth preaching. It's not. Uh, it's Jesus. it's unfair. Yeah. You know where my my younger my my younger brother, my youngest one, Uche, mm -hmm. he's been frustrated for the past how many years almost a year or so that also has been on strike yeah there is nothing in place for COVID-19 for these children to return back to school and then um you see the minister for whatever is it health or whatever he calls himself yesterday was talking on channels tv because now i'm watching nigerian tv i've been doing talking, that <laughs> talking on tv with no mask on his face but yet he's telling people to wear masks what kind of madness is that it's, it's wrong. When, when Nigerians started going to attending universities in Benin and uh, Togo, and that's why you knew that, uh, yeah, this giant of African thing is just uh, an illusion. And Someone had to go to India to go and write her nursing exam because that was the closest center. Wow. India. Wow. Not, not that I'm saying not anything is wrong, but like, really? Wow. It's just going down the drain. You had, at one point, everybody wanted their child to go to federal government 
colleges and yes, schools. You I, know. Knew, I knew how difficult Those unity schools. During, during my time, it was very competitive to get in Oh, there. my gosh. Yeah, I couldn't try. I remember I applying to... I, I tried three, three different <laughs> ones. You had to travel to each state. <laughs> applying to FGGC or your... Mm-hmm. You know, applying to Akure. First, my first choice was Akure. And no, I found myself in Oyo, which I'm thankful for. Thank God for that education, right? Now, my younger brother, he also has been frustrating him. We, we decided, okay, let's go to Igbenidion. Yeah. We'll pay for you. It's a private university and everything. And, <laughs> and Igbenidion is saying, no, we want your transcripts. Well, what? My brother, yeah, they want transcripts, which makes perfect sense. But then uh, um, the school where he's attending in Nigeria, they're like, no, you have to settle us first. Oh, yeah, that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's true. I've, I've, I've done, I've gotten transcript for people once or twice. Yeah, so yeah. I actually had a serious conversation with my mom today, you know, like with all these things going on. And I told her, I said, mommy, your, your generation, you guys ruined it for us. That's, <laughs> <My> uh... mom... <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, you people just ruined it for us. Like, because you people, you know, it was a normal thing for you people to do under the table settlement. Yeah. We are not doing that. We want transparency, you know? And my mom, I said, look, maybe, I said, this is not a personal attack. So don't take it any other way other than this is a conversation that everyone is having with their parents today. Mm -hmm. Don't want nepotism, you know, where because my dad is the governor, so then I will become a, the governor or the vice, the assistant deputy governor or commissioner, because it's happening. Yeah. And with people that are so unqualified. Yeah. <laughs> so unqualified people are the ones. I mean, you see them on TV and you're, you're pulling your head like, what, what are they even talking about? No content, no substance, nothing. And then you have all those very smart people that can do something, but they don't have that because their name is not, you know, one of the famous last names. They cannot really do anything. Ah, it, it's frustrating, but yeah, we need we need to start working on, you know, fixing that country. I'm I'm still a Nigerian. I mean, Nigerian constitution still says I'm a Nigerian. So I'm a Nigerian Delta until I until I I'm I'm still I I, I love this I love the movement going on now. Uh, mm-hmm. I might return back to Nigerian because I still. I, I don't know. I haven't believed in Nigeria for a long time, and I might, I might believe in Nigeria if this movement pulls mm. off what I believe it might pull off. But I yeah. support the movement. I am one hundred percent end SARS. I am one hundred percent end police brutality. I am one hundred hundred percent hold all of them accountable. I am one hundred percent LGBTQ rights in Nigeria, and yeah, and just... um um. And um, uh, give everybody human rights needs to exist. Exactly, and they need to recognize yeah. it. It yeah, needs to it be needs something to that they teach and implemented. Them. It's not just <laughs> exactly. Talk. I don't exactly. That's why you don't hear me saying giant of Africa. I don't care about that. I care about <laughs> people need to exist. People need to um, have their rights recognized, and yeah. stop. I don't do all the the rest. No, no, no. The most important and that, thing that's is one of people the beautiful thing about this. Yeah. These countries that we are in, forget about every other thing that is happening, but we still have, we have rights. And, you know, we, if America is a place where when you come to America and you, you're hardworking, you do, I, I mean, Nigerians are very hardworking people. 
So we are not waiting and saying, oh, the government needs to come and give us, you know, Nigerian government needs to come and be putting money in our pockets. We are, Nigerians are praying for opportunities. They are fighting for it. If you're not a famous, the child of a famous Nigerian or a politician, how, how will they succeed? Well, I mean, it, you, I have it, friends. It, it's, it's like the... It's like that misconception that has always been sold in um, Nigeria that like black people over here are not are lazy. It's the same thing about like about Nigeria when that uh, general who I don't want to say his name said Nigerian youths are lazy. And then okay, how, how are lazy people able to shut down the country right now? How are lazy people in the midst of a protest organizing food for people mm-hmm. to eat? While protesting mm-hmm. without saying "pay me" before mm-hmm. I'll give you food, and while these protest, protests are going on, you are seeing the religious ones saying, "Hey, let um, come take this space to pray." You are mm-hmm. seeing the landlords who are saying, "I don't want you to go out there and protest." And people are saying, "Who's that landlord? Let me know." And they come talk to the <laughs> landlord. Your tenant will go out there and protest. You don't have the right to tell your tenant, "Do not protest." And you are seeing the power of the so-called lazy youths. Same yep. thing that has been said about black youth in America being the blacks being lazy. Well, the blacks being lazy, you've seen them deliver also. So um, that misconception about people being lazy. They've said the same thing about Mexicans being lazy. Well, Mexicans being lazy, but you, you don't question the food when it's coming. You don't question. All this. So there's this misconception where it's thrown everywhere. That's why I said it's all connected. These movements are connected. But if people want to see it, you see it. It's mm. connected. People have always sold. It's why I, I love doing this podcast because the artificial walls are meant to be brought down and people can see the connections everywhere and how we are interconnected. And our sad. struggles are all the same, no matter the people, uh, uh, the people protesting. We all have similar struggles. We all have similar causes. And we are fighting for the same thing, which is human rights. It's human rights exactly. at the end of the day. Because we all want we all want equality. We're not asking, they're not asking for anything golden. They're not asking that, oh, come put one million dollars in everybody's pocket. They're asking for human rights. It's just a basic right to life. That's I all. mean, I, I have some friends from Unilag that, you know, they we when sometimes when we are catching up and I'm like, so what do you do now? Oh, I'm a I'm a hairstylist. So you studied law and now you're a hairstylist. What kind of what kind of madness is that i'm not saying it's madness to that person but the fact that there is just no opportunity for for someone like that mm-hmm. it's, it's unfair yeah. you know it's unfair you're you as a girl you get to a certain age and your parents will start harassing you to to marry and go and you know because now they don't want you to be their responsibility then you go and fall into a bad marriage with some man and we we just want Nigerian, you know, Nigerian and every person, especially our generation, we just want people to give us that opportunity. We want that right to be respected. We want equal, you know, we want, we want, we are, we're not begging them to put money in our pocket. We are not saying that. We're just saying, just because my name is not Dandama or some kind of name, but if I if I apply for a job, I don't want to have to pay someone to hire me because you know no. they do that too. Yes, they will, they will tell people to pay them to hire. If, like, you, if you if you if not from the right clique uh, cast, then ah. you have to pay. So it's, I, I it's understand. I've been there. <laughs> it's painful. 
Like, yeah. um, I can't remember the book that I had read. Um, a crime so monstrous. Whenever you have time, you should read it. You know, when we're growing up, we had all these house helps and all these things in the house growing up. And, yeah. and then I read that book and I was like, wow. That was when I called my mom. And I said, if you have a house help, <laughs> start paying your house help. If your children are going to school, make sure this house help is going to school as well. Of because course. you cannot deny someone that right. It is wrong. It needs to change. A lot of things need to change. A lot. It needs to change. And then you have all these people that they will come here to America because they have access to traveling overseas. And that's why I really like what what her face, Tiwa Savage, had said in her um, her Instagram Instagram video video. that day. And she said, you know, a lot of them come here, they travel, they have access, they have dual citizenship and all that. But they also don't want, it's not everybody that wants to be traveling overseas. Not everyone can afford it. Mm-hmm. But those people that are back home, they want the same rights. Why? I, I saw the one that even pained me the most was, I didn't even know this was this bad. It was a picture of, a, of about six children that someone had in a hospital. And these children were all lying on a, you know, these plastic party chairs that they have yeah, in Nigeria. Yeah. And they just laid those children, they're newborn babies. Wow. Why? <sighs> and one governor will build a house for $90 million. Former governor. Exactly. And then they are, they are flaunting all these things and people are voting for this kind of people. It's painful. I just, yeah. I just want them to find my brother. You know, I've, I've tagged the governor of Abia State because at least I know that my, my family that are based in Nigeria are still paying taxes. So they are tax-paying Nigerians. I've tagged them on my tweets now, like, hey, help us find our, our son because he's from Abia State. He's, mm-hmm. he's representing us. It's unfair. Yeah. And every other child out there. Yes. Not, not every other child. Everyone deserves, wrong. every family deserves closure. Every family deserves answers. Every, yep. Everyone deserves to know. And whoever took their children deserves to be held accountable. They do not it's deserve. Wrong. How can that this. James Wafer of a man? I don't know if you've read about all the atrocities. How can someone like that kill up more than 6,000 people? And he was just there and no one arrested him for anything. Hmm. And they're talking about, oh, they've given the youth what they want. Well, no. they haven't arrested this man. No. Yeah, that's the thing. You got accountability. Hmm. Anyway. Well, like I said, <laughs> this is a, a different episode from the usuals. And yeah. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Yep. Um, thank you. This episode is dedicated to TK, you know, and, and all the other and all Nigerian the boys victims and girls. of police brutality in Nigeria and yeah. all over the world. We remember mm-hmm. you and we honor you. And like I said earlier, I still have hope, Me no matter too. how slim it is. Um, yeah, Tiki Tiki is a very nice boy, and uh, it's, it's just hard for me to to let go. So yeah, it, it uh, is. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I, I would, I would, I would end here. I will end here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. So thank you all for um, 
joining us on this episode. So uh, thank you, Nena. Nena. Yep. Nena. Uh, we shall record your journey later on, and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that in in in, in a few in, in, later on, and uh, we'll cover all that. And uh, when things calm down, I'll, I'll come chill with you guys down in in uh, cowboy no country. All right. I know you should. It's the it's the best state. Yeah, just yeah, so right. you well, we're not going there. Now. <laughs> back, 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 back. <laughs> the best state in in oh, in the whole United States, oh, Texas. Here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> we oh. love our. Oh my God! I'm oh. so proud to get Texas. Oh please! Here we go. Here we go. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, catch you at the next episode. Thank you for the privilege of your All right. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from if you have any questions comments or have someone who will be a good guest on the show or you want to be on the show send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram at whitelabelamerican thank you for your support